We solemnly swear we're up to no good. Hi, I'm Gary Roby. I'm Victoria Laguna. And we're the hosts of Harry Potter Minute, the fan podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one magical minute at a time. Join us as we argue about whether or not McGonagall would meow at Dumbledore. She wouldn't. As we ponder just how much Harry's fortune is worth. Just $40. As we guess how much mileage one gets out of an Ollivander wand. 100,000 jinxes. As we detail the ins and outs of Hogwarts Castle. It's only a model. Join us Monday through Friday, only from DuelingGenre.com. Mischief Managed. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we're discussing The Mistletoe Promise. Todd, we're doing a Hallmark movie. Yes, we are. It's been a while since, uh, well, I never put this on the schedule. I just kind of said we've had enough fun with the Hallmark formula in our (laughs) annual Christmas specials that we should probably watch one and talk about it. And we put a call out to our listeners and we had a lot of recommendations. In the end, this is not one that was recommended to us. (laughs) Uh, We went with what we could get access to on short notice. And also we looked up a list of the highest rated Hallmark Christmas movies uh, based on their premieres. And this was on that list. And the name stuck out to me. And I couldn't think of why it stuck out to me until producer Andrew pointed out that we used this title last year for (laughs) our Christmas pitches game. And so I'd written a plot for the Mistletoe Promise that I completely forgot. As had Todd. <laughs> yes, as had Todd. And uh, we just went and checked what our made-up plots for Mistletoe Promise from last year were. Mine was very hallmarky. It involved... An old man. Well, his... well a grandfather, his daughter, and then a granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the, the grandfather and, and his daughter, uh, who are the adults, are not feeling the Christmas spirit and not decorating anything. And the daughter tapes up a Christmas tree in a sad way. And then they decide they got to do something. And in the midst of doing something for the granddaughter, they each find a potential romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Todd, what was your uh, mistletoe promise summary? My mistletoe promise was about Jose and Maria, who are children of uh, opposing Mexican aristocratic families. And they promise each other that they will be find a way to be together. And uh, Jose ends up uh, becoming a pirate. And Maria ends up uh, not, not by his own choice. going to a convent and then uh, escaping from the convent and dressing as a man and uh, joining the Navy. And then they... they not, not by her own choice. Not by her own choice. <laughs> and then they, uh, they end up facing each other in a, in a battle. And then they realize who they are and they, um, and they lay down their weapons and, uh, and fulfill their mistletoe promise by joining each other. And, now, two questions. One, you said escape from the convent. How tight was that security? <laughs> um, tight, tight enough for it to be entertaining i'm sure yes. I'm and, uh, and a, 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 well a shocking moment that we need to discuss real quick uh, so as we were listening to him i do not recall precisely which one won that round it but was, if it, it wasn't was, todd's it should have it should have been todd's because i think about todd's pitch for that one occasionally and all of us had forgotten joseph's pitch for that one but i ask you which one of these could go into production for Hallmark tomorrow? Maybe Hallmark <laughs> wants to change the brand a little bit. Well, we'll talk some about their brand. So based, uh, on the basis of that statement, 
I, I don't. <laughs> back I don't know that four. it completely rewrites that entire. No, no, I don't. I don't think this is a path we want to go down. <laughs> I, I am certain I'm that it's a path that I want to go down. Every time, every time I come up with something creative, and you go with standard Hallmark fare, it's good. I mean. Nobody does Hallmark as well as as you do, Joe. In fact, Hallmark doesn't well, do Hallmark okay, okay, wait, 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 as well no, as you do. Breaks. I think I think Hallmark's got the formula down pretty well. Well, okay, if you take it as a percentage, though, Joseph probably nails that percentage better than Hallmark does. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> you do a fine job writing a Hallmark story, and um, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll give you Custom Mary. Your Custom Mary was way better than my, my Custom Mary is. Than my, so uh, I think I had a sci-fi custom Mary that was like a robot custom Mary or something. It was well, very, don't get it confused with the real one. It was very the weirdest strange. real plot that we've <laughs> yeah. ever discussed on it. That's from our very first yeah Christmas special. One of the titles was Custom Mary, and it is weird. You should go back and listen to yeah. uh, that first Christmas that special for that. That one's a mess. But Joseph's is uh, fantastic and a true a true Hallmark classic that's never been made. Yes, <laughs> thank um, you, thank you. I appreciate that. And and last year in particular, I I was leaning very Hallmarky. Um, and so I, my, in retrospect, I would change at least that one judgment. Okay. Uh, oh, shocking, of, shocking uh, turn. The Christmas Pirates, because I frankly have thought about the Christmas Pirates story more than once since Todd described <laughs> it. All right. All right. But today we're talking about the actual Hallmark uh, TV movie, The Mistletoe Promise, which was released in 2016 and was directed by David Winning. And it was written by Michael Norris, and it was based on a book by Richard Paul Evans. And it stars Jamie King as Elise and Luke McFarlane as Nick, or Nicholas, Nicholas. Nicholas. Yes. Uh, who are two people who loathe the holiday season and for various reasons decide to pretend to be a couple just after they meet. Will they learn to love Christmas and each other? Whoa. Where did you get this? <laughs> That was me writing that. that. Oh, that, yeah, that was yeah. yours. Okay. That, that was my my. Uh, I wasn't my sure if that was a, a tagline from IMDb. Uh, no, but I may steal it for next year's Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> I think both Todd and I have almost written this plot summary in our Christmas specials at various points. It's uh, it's not the craziest, yeah, plot. I mean, it hits a couple. Uh, I, I mean. Hallmark has a formula that is kind of comfort food, right? Where you, you know what, that's what they're going for. Yeah, especially you know for what holidays. you're going to get uh, for their Christmas specials in particular. Like you said, you know what you're going to get. And this checks a couple of the boxes of people who are learning to love Christmas. Uh, you've, you've got uh, the people who, who need each other but don't know it at first. You've, you've got the pretending to be in a relationship, which doesn't happen all the time, but it feels like it's something that happens in Hallmark movies, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, it's checking a number of the comfort food Hallmark formula boxes. Uh I have, a big so, question. I have a big question about that because I feel like this uh, goes mm, does some interesting things at the end that I have questions about. Okay, well, uh, let's save it till we hear a full summary. Okay, you you will have ample time to <laughs> yes. talk about it. <laughs> Are you ready for um, the summary? Th- shockingly, I didn't find a lot of trivia <laughs> about. Oh, we got trivia. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of trivia, but not 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 okay. a lot. All right. Uh, one uh, just uh, Hallmark. Did, did you find its its Hallmark page? Uh, I don't know if they keep them year to year, but uh, Hallmark for new movies always has a page dedicated to it, including, you know, some fun notes or or things like that. Uh, no, I, I didn't look there. Maybe I should have, but it didn't happen. Well, I don't know if it still would have <laughs> yeah. been available. Uh, but just a little bit about Hallmark. Um, it's now like a force in the holiday season, like the 
the idea of of a Hallmark Christmas special is something that is um, prevalent enough. You see it mocked on, you know, uh, you know like, like it, it, it's known and known enough quantity that you can parody it, uh, even for people who haven't really seen it. And it takes a bit of work for something to reach that level of cultural. You have, um, to, you have to commit to 12 to 18 movies for several years in a row. Yeah. So I was I, well, <laughs> I was looking like, when did this become a thing? So I, I, this is coming from Wikipedia um, and about the Hallmark channel itself which became a channel in uh i want to say uh, it was re- uh, an existing channel was rebranded re- rebranded as the hallmark channel in 2001 so it's a uh, 17 year old uh channel at this point uh and it's known for um kind of generally wholesome family-friendly entertainment obviously that's part of hallmark's brand and everything that hallmark does and it's known for its made for tv movies and it said uh where is this at hold on a second uh, Hallmark movie once had a steady one movie a month, 12 a year production schedule with the films all being produced by RHI Entertainment. However, in 2008, Crown Media ramped up its production schedule to approximately 30 movies a year wow. and opened up to other production companies, though RHI still produces some movies for Hallmark Channel. And again, this is just, I'm just reading directly from Wikipedia. Uh, and as an example, the network premiered 35 original movies from 2009 to 2010. Uh, and uh, it's particularly known now for its holiday season where they will often do one a week from um, October through uh, through December, through January 1st. Uh, so Hallmark uh, really has, in the last decade and a half, created that level of cultural awareness um, for those. And the other bit of trivia they want to share is that this this particular one, The Mistletoe Promise, is based on a book by Richard Paul Evans. And so I just went to look into him a little bit. He first became famous with the novel The Christmas Box. Are you familiar with that one, Todd? Uh, I have not read it, but I know I know of it. I kind of remember when it became famous. I, uh, I never read it either. Um, but it has an interesting history in that he uh, self-published it. He wrote it, couldn't find a publisher, self-published it, in 93 and he distributed it to local bookstores only in his community which i'm pretty sure was in utah uh-huh. uh at the time probably around where i live right now and it became very popular that year so the next year he again self-published it and he published it a little wider regionally and then the next year there was an auction for the publishing rights uh and he received a $4.2 million advance oh in selling that book to Simon & Schuster. And uh, Simon & Schuster released it in 1995. And it was the first book ever to simultaneously reach the number one position as a bestseller for both paperback and hardcover editions. Because they released both at the same time. <laughs> um, and since then, he's written a lot of books. Um, I think it said over 30 uh, that have been uh, bestselling titles. And Mistletoe Promise was released... In 2014, he followed this up in 2015 with Mistletoe Inn, which was a Hallmark movie this year that was made. Uh, and then in 2016, he released The Mistletoe Secret. And as far as I know, none of these are related. They just have Mistletoe <laughs> in the title. <laughs> it's not like a shared universe of the Mistletoe world. Uh, and then in 2017, he released The Noel Diary. So he broke out of the Mistletoe uh, trilogy that he, he had done. I wish you would do it like like Balzac or something where there's some one minor character that you see, you know, sort <laughs> like of. A, or, or the Stephen King. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Or, or, or uh, isn't uh, Brandon Sanderson doing that uh, for some, some of his books? I don't know. Where it's, 
it's a shared universe, but you don't know it because he doesn't make a big deal about it. But there's just like you said, like oh, some minor character that appears in one also appears in another. And then a different minor character from that one appears in another one. So in the end, it's all one universe. You just yeah. don't really know it. Uh, Galdos did that also in Spain and where like the narrator of one is a super minor character in another one. And yeah, that's really I like that stuff. I think the Hallmark Channel should go all in on a shared universe. And oh, do this. totally. Yeah. Well, like one one Christmas, all, uh, you know, 12 <laughs> movies that they release between October and January 1st are building toward a shared universe where they cross over on uh, the Christmas Day. On, on Christmas Day, they do one where characters from all of them are, are interacting. <laughs> Can you imagine how much joy that would bring to so many people that love these <laughs> movies? <laughs> That would be so great. Oh, Mark, if you're listening, I will help mastermind this. Oh, yeah. They're not listening. Uh, so let's let's talk about the ones that have actually been produced. Uh, but before we get to your full synopsis, Todd, I would just like to thank our listeners uh, for listening to our podcast. And we would especially like to thank those who support us on Patreon. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $1 per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers. And all patrons who support us with five dollars a month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss and uh by the time you listen to this this may be old news but patreon.com announced a change in their system that no one liked in terms of how uh patrons were going to be charged and how how what percentage of the money was going to end up to the people they were supporting and there was such a backlash that they immediately said never mind we're going back to the old system so (laughs) if you were upset patrons uh fear not things are back to the status quo but now, Todd, will you give us a full, true synopsis of the Mistletoe Promise Hallmark made-for-TV movie? Jose and Maria. No. <clears throat> Elise, Elise uh, works at a travel agency. Um, I have to preface this by saying that uh, the first part of the synopsis, I did not, I wasn't able to polish up so it's gonna be a little rocky but i'll get the i'll get the main points here so elise works at a travel agency she actually uh, owns the travel agency with along with her ex-husband whose name is dan and dan is the worst like think of the worst ex-husband you can possibly imagine that's dan well i'd say multiply it by two (laughs) it's really bad outside of physical abuse there's no physical abuse but he's bad (laughs) okay uh, so Elise is, she's eating in the, in the food court of a shopping mall and these extremely aggressive car- carolers come up and start singing like right in her face <laughs> and she is totally annoyed, but she doesn't really know how to get out of this situation. So she sort of gets up and, and leaves. And then she notices a guy across the food court who, when the, when the carolers come to him, he puts headphones in his ear. Uh, so then Elise goes to, to work at the travel agency and she see, they have, um, her husband, her ex-husband has decorated the entire, uh, office with this giant, uh, images of his new girlfriend on a snowmobile. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it's like the tackiest worst. <laughs> this guy's bad. And then, uh, and then we cut, and we see the the guy with the, the the guy that had put the earbuds in his ear in the food court. His name is Nick, and he works at a law firm. And um, he has just it's just announced that he is up 
for he's a candidate for becoming partner in his company and uh they're gonna have a party and he's supposed to bring uh, his girlfriend to uh, this party and he's been telling everybody in the office that he has a girlfriend but he really doesn't have one back at the travel agency dan the ex-husband wants to cut back on charity packages and elise is not happy about this back in the food court uh elise is sitting there and the carolers come back and uh and nick they are so along. aggressive i know they are so aggressive it's <laughs> so funny if there was a war on christmas there isn't but if there was these would be the frontline soldiers for the christmas <laughs> thank you <laughs> they really would be my goodness um so the carolers come back to torture elise and nick comes along and sort of rescues her from them and then they start to talk and and nick tells elise that he is a christmas phobe that he uh he does not like christmas and then he sort of asks her on a date and she accepts and um uh we're back in the travel agency and it's announced that drew who is the girlfriend the new girlfriend of the ex-husband she is going to be the reindeer reporter on on tv on christmas eve she's going to stand on tv and uh and explain where santa claus is in front of the the weather map uh, but it turns out that she is really um kind of dumb and uh and elise is really mad that this is all happening so nick proposes uh, then, uh, as he's he's talking to Elise, and he proposes that they make an arrangement, and uh, he will distract Elise from her ex-husband if she will pretend to be his girlfriend, and she accepts. So they're just kind of hanging out with each other a lot, and they have a conversation about what they want from Santa Claus. She says she wants her life back. Uh, he says he wants to be a partner uh, in his law firm, and then uh, they draw up a contract. And they call it the mistletoe promise. So he, uh, Nick's a lawyer. He writes up a contract, and they sign it. And they say, um, "We're going to we're going to do this. We'll hang out with each other." Uh, but part of the contract says that they can't. It can't get too personal. Um, this just has to be for fun and all, everything superficial. And so they have lunch every day, and they have once a week activities. Um, they can hold hands when it makes sense. Uh, they are not a PDA couple. Um, the contract will expire on Christmas Eve. And they have to keep everything shallow, no drama. So Nick starts sending her flowers and doing uh, kind gestures and gifts and things. They go to see It's a Wonderful Life. He enjoys it. Um, it turns out he's a divorce attorney. Um, and they, whenever they're together, they, they, when the conversation starts to head towards, um, you know, feelings or emotions, um, then they have to stop because they don't want to break the contract. They, they have to keep it shallow. Um, in Elise's office, people uh, that work with her don't believe that Nick is real. And so she calls him and asks him to come early to pick her up. And he does. And everyone's impressed because he's very handsome and uh, and charismatic. And he gives her lots of flowers. And the way they ogled him out the window. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when, when he walks, it reminded me of the townspeople with um, Luke's daughter yeah. in our Gilmore Girl episode <laughs> totally. that we talked about. <laughs> yes. So they go to a Christmas store and she talks about how she used to love Christmas and she's a kind person, but she's just been burned because uh, her divorce happened at Christmas. Um, the, uh, she had found out uh, that her husband was cheating on her at Christmas time. And so she doesn't like Christmas. So the Nick's work has a party uh, at his boss's office and his boss or his boss's house. I'm sorry. And his boss is talking about how important family is to them. It gives context for what they do. And he's a very family oriented divorce attorney. And, uh, they make a toast to good people. 
And then uh, Nick and Elise feel uh, bad about what they're doing because they're lying to the people um, uh, at Nick's work. And it turns out that he has Nick has had three bad Christmases, and that's why he um, he is afraid of Christmas or he's a Christmas phobe. And uh, he he tells Elise that his most recent bad Christmas was um, he was fired because he 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 was a whistleblower. Somebody was doing uh, something unethical in his office in his law firm, and he blew the whistle on them, and then he got fired. And so it was Christmas time, and he doesn't like Christmas because of that. So they uh, they keep meeting. They go and get a tree. They're starting to feel the Christmas spirit. They take the tree back to Elise's house, and they deck the tree. Um, and uh, all of this is it's nice for her, but it's also hard for her. Um, and she tells uh, Nick about how uh, Dan, her ex-husband, had mixed up her gift and Drew's uh, gifts at Christmas, and that's how she found out that he was cheating on her. Um, and she asks Nick to help her win the snowman contest at work. And, um, so they go to the Christmas party and there's a snowman making contest and Nick and L win. They make a, right, I just want to say, this is a party where they're told you have two hours and there's a huge crowd watching other people build snowmen for two hours in the snow. <laughs> That does not seem pleasant to me. <laughs> it doesn't to me either. Um, but Nick and Elle win. And, uh, and then he tells her that um, his first bad Christmas was when his dad left his mom at Christmas time. And uh, they have a skating party for Nick's work. And so they go. And it <laughs> turns out that Elle is like a, fig- a figure skating teacher. And so she teaches him. They do lots of hand holding, which is uh, always great. It, uh, you know, getting, getting sparks to fly. And, uh, so they hold lots of hands and, um, in the bathroom, Elle finds out that the woman that Nick is competing against is actually on her third husband and nobody in the office knows this, which is not great in a family oriented, uh, business for, especially for divorce attorneys. (laughs) Right. And uh, this will, yeah, I've got questions here. So this law firm has some ethical quandaries (laughs) that need to be addressed. I really agree. Um, So Dan had had a friend uh, run Nick's plates uh, to see if he was a good guy or something to get dirt on him. Uh, And uh, Nick calls him out on it because he's an attorney and he has friends that work at the police station also. And then he offers to help Drew with her memorization for this reindeer reporter TV thing. And then he tells Elle that he wants to see her business contract with Dan because Elle is frustrated because she's the one that started the company, but um, but because of the contract that she made with Dan when they when they got married or when they started the company, um, she can't get out of him being a part owner. And so they go to the TV station on Christmas Eve for the reindeer report. And Drew is a total disaster because she doesn't know what to say and she couldn't memorize anything. And then Nick sends Ellen to do the report and she totally nails it because she's a natural. Not only is she a figure skating teacher, uh, she is also a, who knew? Public speaker. Uh, an amazing public speaker. And um, she does, she knows how to do the, you know, pointing to the map thing that people do. <laughs> so then at, at, at Elle's work party, everyone's email rings and it's the mistletoe promise 
Um, so Dan had hacked her server and sent and sent the promise to everyone. And so everyone's mad at Elle because she's been lying to them and Elle's embarrassed because um, because Dan did this thing. So then Nick and Elle go to New York for his big company party. And this is this is the final the final hurrah. This is why they why they've done this so that he can become partner. And they get to the party and they uh, they're sitting down at dinner with uh, with all of Nick's bosses. And there's kind of an awkward moment when they're at dinner, but then uh, they kind of sweep it away and everything goes great, essentially. Uh, and then he takes her home on a buggy ride and he tries to kiss her and she pulls back. Um, and she says, this isn't just, this isn't just fun. This is the best fake relationship ever, but it's just business. And so he kind of goes for a walk. He's like, okay, um, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to make sense of what she says here. Um, but anyway, and I don't think Nick knows what to, what to do with it either. So he just goes for a walk. And then the next day at lunch, he just spills the beans and he tells everyone that, um, that his relationship with Elle isn't real and that they had um, done this so that he could, so that he could become partner. And then he says, he doesn't believe that family is the only way to promote goodness in the world. And Elise excuses herself and his boss, uh, his boss says he wants them to both come back, but she leaves and she goes home. And then she goes and she says she's going to sell the company to Dan. Um, but it turns out that the reindeer report was a huge success. And there's all of these donors that want to give them money for their charity thing. And then she walks home and there are snowmen outside her house and, a, and not only snowmen, but a real man, Nick. And uh, he has been made partner and they hug and they decide to extend the agreement and they're standing under the mistletoe. And so they kiss the end. Thank you, Todd, for that summary. I've got some questions. Do we want to deal with those first? And then we'll talk about <laughs> yeah. the characters. Yeah, I want to hear what your questions are. And I wonder right, if well, it might be the same ones that I have. This is law firm. It, to be made partner, you have to be a family man. That's illegal. Yes. <laughs> and, and the law firm should know this. <laughs> one, would, one would suspect. Yeah. So that, that was the first. And, and you'd think a law firm that specializes in divorce would be more accepting of non-family men. Yeah, not, not married with children. Right. <laughs> That whole well, or women, or women, because there is a woman that's up for partner. That whole aspect is just strange, and it's it, there are times when it seems like the boss is held up as like a really great guy, and then there are other times where it seems like they're saying this guy is a jerk, and I I don't really know what they're trying to say about him. Right? Is that does that sound fair to you? Yes. Yeah. I I, I thought his characterization was. It was uneven. Whereas like some, like um, her ex, like, you know who this is from the beginning and all the way through the end. Yeah. I mean, like everything is a caricature except for that guy. And he's like a half of a caricature of a really good guy and half caricature of a really bad guy. And so in a Hallmark movie, you're left confused. <laughs> like, Yeah, because usually everything is. Uh, I mean, this there's there's pros and cons to having a formula like formulaic movies can be very good and formulaic movies can just bore you because they're so formulaic. And that's one aspect that is breaking from the formula in a way that you're not sure what they're doing with it. Yeah. And it's a Hallmark movie. And you had said initially, you know, Hallmark Hallmark is all about, um, you know, family friendly, uplifting, uh, happy ending, happy ending things. And this whole like the whole message of this film gets kind of muddled at the end when he says, you know, you don't have to be a family man to be a good person, which is true. But then, uh, you know, then he goes back and, and, and then 
he does essentially what the boss had wanted him to do all along, which was be a family man, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, all the, uh, everything gets tied up nicely at the end. So he does become a partner before, before that, you know, entering the real relationship. Yeah. I, I, the whole end part was just, it felt strange to me. Yes. I, I agree with that. Um, another question that I had, um, was like a huge part of this, is that, you know, she wants her company back because it's her. She started it. The guy asked to look at the contract, but it, then it's never followed up on after that right. moment, is it? No. Uh, and I don't know if there was more in the book and they cut it or if this was just meant to imply that now that they're together, he's going to help her to get the company and we just fill in that blank space. But it was weird to have it etched so clearly. Like, here's one of her desires. Here's a means for it to be carried out. And it's never mentioned again. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing, I felt like, for example, the thing with the plates where he takes a picture of the plates. I thought that something more would come of that. And mm-hmm. then, you know, nothing really happens. <laughs> like He takes a picture of the plates and then Nick comes along and says, Hey, I saw you around my plates. Uh, that's, you know, that was a jerk move. And Dan's like, well, okay, whatever. And then like, it's over. Like nothing happens. Nothing comes of that. Yeah. All you get is a moment of um, what's the ex's name. Uh, Dan. Drew. Dan. 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 Yeah, the, the, the Drew is the is the new girlfriend. Like all you get is a moment of him getting caught with Dan the cooking job and feeling uncomfortable about it, and that's right. not enough payoff for what a jerk he is throughout the rest. Well, of the It should movie. be like Chekhov's, you know, taking a picture of a license plate or something. <laughs> like if you're gonna yeah, do like that, if, if someone is taking a picture of a license plate, you either gotta find out something about the person whose license plates are being run, or uh, the person doing it needs bigger consequences than just being made to feel uncomfortable for one conversation. Yes. So that's it's such an out of like normal narrative moment <laughs> that it, it needs to mean something and it doesn't really end up meaning anything. Right. So, I mean, I, I'm not going to say this is a perfect film, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, and even, <laughs> so I guess my new barometer for watching uh, for the quality of films is my daughter. And uh, after we watched this one, she looked at me and she said, that was weird. <laughs> said, okay. <laughs> Um, so she, she did not like this one as much as she liked uh, Miracle on 34th street. And I can say, I didn't like this as much as I like Miracle on 34th street as much, as much as I had issues with <laughs> Miracle on 34th street. <laughs> um, I have had some confused verbal so, feedback but, uh, on your, your take. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, I think you and I have some of the same, some of the same questions about this film, but, uh, yes. but now let's talk about uh, what we liked about it. So Hallmark, like we said, has a formula and it's kind of comfort food and there's something pleasant about that. Sure. And that's why it works. That's why it has become within a decade and a half, like a mainstay of America's cultural discussion of Christmas is, you know, the fact that Hallmark movies are there. Even if you're not engaging with them, you know, that's part of holiday tradition for some people. Um, and there is, I think, uh, there, there can be that kind of emotional um, you know, kind of a dopamine hit of just sitting back and knowing what's going to come and watching it play out yes. and, and reaching there. Like, you know, these two are going to end together because at the beginning it's a Hallmark movie. And once you know it's a Hallmark movie, the two attractive single leads are most likely going to be together at the, at the end of it. Um, and there'll be a few bumps along the way and there'll be some contrivances as to how they meet and how they get together. Uh, but there, there absolutely can be something pleasurable at the holiday season, just sitting back and relaxing and doing something that's not going to challenge you, not going to challenge your beliefs about Christmas, not going to challenge your, you know, your, your belief in happy endings or anything like that. And just, just sit back and enjoy the ride. Um, and even if there is, you know, some flaws in it and some very predictable elements to it, that, that doesn't remove um, the fact that some people can just sit back and enjoy the, yes. you know, this kind of movie. 
I agree. Uh, it's definitely not an axe for the frozen sea inside of us, but <laughs> but it's <laughs> that uh, is for any listeners who missed the uh, our last discussion. That is a quote from um, Kafka. Kafka. Kafka about what the best literature should do. Yeah, and uh, this is definitely not that. No, this is uh, like just uh, slide across the frozen sea inside of you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> like, like, it's like, like doing pirouettes on the frozen sea inside of you. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Let's just enjoy ourselves. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it's what they do. It's, uh, it's, it's figure skating on the frozen sea inside of you, holding hands with somebody that you love. Maybe they fall, and you can, you know, give them a little, you, you, like the the fall, the hug fall. You know, that's what this <laughs> yes, is. Yes, it's a hug fall on the on the ice, which the frozen is um, inside of you. One of the, I think, another uh, box you can check in the Hallmark formula is a snowball fight or ice skating scene <laughs> or a uh, slippery sidewalk that leads to, uh, you know, some of the first uh, close contact, physical contact. Yeah, it's not it's not nearly as good as the uh, as the slippery sidewalk in um, while you were sleeping, but it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think one reason why this formula works so well at this time of year is a lot of times that's what you're looking for at Christmas. Just nostalgic, positive, familiar emotions. And Hallmark serves that up on a silver platter and says, here, please enjoy. So you talk about the the nostalgic emotions um, of Christmas. I think it's interesting that they um, – I mean, it's not it, – it, it's, it's certainly part of the formula. But they definitely lean into the like the blue Christmas – angle of this right so these are people who they've been burned on christmas a bunch of times and now they don't really like it and i thought elisa's character was um kind of interesting in that she's not a total scrooge i mean she really does like people and she does charity and and she actually um she has a good sense of christmas like when they're in the christmas shop and he um and he doesn't know what present to get for his boss, and she's asking him questions. And she, you can tell that this is something that she's done before, and she's she's quite good at um, finding out what the right present is. And then she she chooses this ornament, and it's the perfect one. And um, and when they when they do the tree, and she loves the movie, it's a wonderful life. And um, I think they could have taken her in a direction where she's much more like anti Christmas than uh, than she is. And I like the fact that they just, they didn't make her hate Christmas. They just made her sad at Christmas. Yeah, and the, I think that that's a, it, it makes her more um, relatable, I think. I absolutely agree. Like, and, and in a way, she wishes she could like Christmas the way she used to. Mm-hmm. But she can't because of the trauma that her ex put her through in a way that is simultaneously um, unbelievable, uh, unbelievably awful, but has probably happened. <laughs> In the world. Yes. <laughs> when you find out that uh, that her ex gave her uh, a personalized gift that was meant for his mistress. Yeah. <laughs> that he mixed up the boxes. <laughs> and on the one hand, you're like, no, no guy who's being that scumbaggy would, would mess up like that. On the oh. other hand, you're like, yeah, yes. No, they yes, totally guys would. would. <laughs> they totally would. And it that probably has just scumbags. Oh, I'm yes, sure. I'm exactly. sure that it has. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, yeah. and, and that makes it believable for why... She's traumatized by Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. Like her happily ever after got destroyed on Christmas Eve and she can't look at Christmas the same way. And yet she still loves what she used to love about Christmas and wishes she could have that again. And part of this is like the the healing 
of her being able to reconnect with the positive aspects of Christmas and not be so traumatized by the horrible thing her ex-husband did. Yeah, and I thought, and initially when I saw the first scene of um, them in the food court and the and the aggressive carolers coming, I thought, oh great, you know, here here she goes. She hates Christmas, and then I found out that she doesn't hate Christmas and that she's not uh, like a totally cynical, cold uh, person. She's not a Scrooge, certainly, and I like that about her that she's she's still uh, able to keep that warm side of her, even though. Mm even though she was burned so bad. I like that. Yeah. And um, that, like you said, like the fact that she cares so much about charity and wants to ensure that that's something her company keeps doing, even as her, her now business partner, right. Is is fighting against and saying, well, we got to cut that spending. You know, we got to make some budget cuts somewhere. And charity (laughs) is obviously the first thing (laughs) that that we should cut. (laughs) Um, Not, we shouldn't cut the, the blown up giant promotional images of my, my new girlfriend. (laughs) That's money well spent. (laughs) Um, you know, her, her, her care about charity and the fact that she's not, um, you know, ripping on other people's enjoyment of Christmas. That's usually, yeah. that's often the way that you find out this, this person is, is bad, you know, mm-hmm. is they don't allow anyone else to have the enjoyment. She is happy to see other people happy, um, at Christmas. And except like for the carolers, except for the carolers, which <laughs> I, I mean, I love Christmas. I love Christmas music. That was inappropriate. <laughs> what those carolers were the doing. guitar. <laughs> <laughs> And they like spring out, they spring on you from nowhere. And they invade your personal space. Like that is too close for <laughs> totally for someone who doesn't know you at all. Much too close for someone singing loudly. They're like hiding in the bushes in the food court. And they ambush people and get in their personal space with their guitar and their, and their Santa hats. <laughs> what do you think about Nick? He's in a, well, like for him, it's not so much that he, um, Hates Christmas. He just has no personal connection to Christmas. It seems, and and the way we're given like his his three bad Christmases could make you think like, oh, he's basically it feels like he never really made a personal connection with Christmas, possibly because of that very early Trump, tr- you know, Christmas trauma when his yeah. his dad left his mom around the Christmas season. I'm guessing Christmas, um, kind of like for Elise, became a less significant time of the year <laughs> for for his mom from he, then on. He calls himself a Christmas phobe, which is and it's an interesting. I mean, it, according to his own self-diagnosis, he's, it's not that he hates Christmas, but he's afraid of Christmas, which is... Well, he's, he's afraid because these bad things happen to him at yeah. this time of year. So he's, a, so he's made this associ- mental association that bad things happen at Christmas time, and so... I'm not going to engage with the uh, outward displays of Christmas spirit. Yeah, I, th- I felt like I didn't... Um, I didn't connect with his character as much as I did with Elise's. I liked her uh, better. I felt like he was just sort of a Johnny Squarejaw guy. Yeah. Uh, and I think there were moments where you could have seen more, um, you know, in his reaction to someone running his plates, um, in uh, his reaction at the, you know, that dinner scene when the, the boss runs out after them. <laughs> uh-huh. It's... Uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I wish there'd been a little more um, sense of who he was and um, and more some more clear emotion emotionality from from the performance. I would, I, I'm not trying to knock the actor. I mean, he's a professional working actor. <laughs> Great job. Yeah, <laughs> if, if, you, if you can I get mean, it. Um, and it could have been how he was directed I, I, and how it was edited. You know, maybe removed some some moments. And like we said, there's there's a few things. I, I guess the other thing that really I think could have helped me to connect with him is we'd seen the follow through on him helping her to get her business back. 
right? Uh, that, yeah. Um, you know, seeing him like putting in overtime, reading her contract, checking out case law, you know, uh, that I think would have made me feel more for him, feel more connected to him. I feel the, the thing that I feel for him is, um, I do get a sense of his loneliness and his, like his desire to connect. I mean, he really, he really commits to the mistletoe promise. They, they both honor contracts. Yes. He really, um, I mean, everybody in at her office is impressed by him in part because, I mean, mostly because he's a really great boyfriend. Like he really uh, goes the extra mile. He's sending and, the flowers and the mm-hmm. Christmas gifts to the office. Right. And uh, I don't think that all of that was it written into the contract. I mean, the contract was that they had to eat lunch together and they had to do stuff on the weekend or something like that. Um, I think there was definitely a, a spark that they hope both hoped would grow, but weren't quite sure how to do it. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know. Do you think that she wanted the spark to grow from the beginning or that she really just sort of wanted a distraction because she, she's the one that pushes back against the, against the feelings and the, you know, in the end when, when he says, you know, I, I, or when he moves in for the kiss and then she pushes away and says, yeah. no, this is a contract. No, I, I agree with that. But if there was no spark, would you ever enter into a mistletoe contract <laughs> where you're going to no. pretend to be in a relationship? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I agree that she's the one that's trying to keep it more professional. Like we signed a contract, uh, but you don't even strike up the initial conversation that leads to the mistletoe contract, I think, <laughs> without. Oh, well, I mean, I guess they were dodging some very aggressive carolers. I feel so. like in her case, it, uh, <laughs> it's I mean, I, I think if you were to ask her initially, that she would say that, yeah, um, it's great to have a distraction from Dan. And, and that that's probably where she would say it ends. Mm-hmm. And if you were to talk to him, I feel like he would be probably more uh, aware of the fact that he's actually interested in her. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, I think her interest in him is probably more subconscious uh, initially. All right, so Todd, we in talking about this, we've acknowledged that there's formulaic. We have acknowledged why that can be very um, something you, you seek out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you create good feelings. But we both also kind of feel like the ending got muddled, uh, and we talked some about what's off. What would have been more satisfying? Um, I I feel like a lot of the a lot of the strangeness of the end has to do with actually the boss and the that ethical thing that's going on that feels strange to me. And so I think if I were, if I were um, going over this script, I would encourage the writers to take a look at that guy and either go like all in on making him bad or all in on making him good. But the, but the strange kind of characterization of him makes the end. uh, I think that it kind of makes it clunky at the end. Because yeah. because Nick is like he's rebelling against something, but you're it's not entirely clear that what he is rebelling against is um, like worthy of that. I just I, it feels weird to me. It just feels odd. Okay, I think maybe we need to go back from actually away from the conclusion, which is where we we agree you really feel the money. back to the beginning. He needs a different reason to enter the mistletoe promise. 
because every viewer immediately says, well, that's illegal <laughs> to base <laughs> a, 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 the advance, uh, uh, an advancement within a company on whether you are a happy family man or not. <laughs> yeah. See, and I feel like they could have with just a really gentle nudge that they could change it where it, all he wants to do is save faith, save face with his boss because he's been lying and saying, oh, yeah, I have a girlfriend. And like, why does he do that? Because guys are dumb sometimes and they say dumb things. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't want to be set up on another date or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the motivation for entering the mistletoe why. promise is fine because her husband is a jerk. She's stuck with him as a business partner because she loves her business. Um, and, you know, she, she's not willing to let that go because she built it and she has that emotional attachment to the business, even as she's so frustrated with the completely just so much idiocy coming from her, her ex-husband. Right. Uh, that she needs something to strike. Like that works as the motivation. His motivation just feels off because even if you're, you have no familiarity with eight, how human resource departments work and what kind of grievances <laughs> can be filed, you just look at that and you say, that's not right. Right. That, so, the, so I would rewrite this. I think I would re- rewrite this where, um, his boss is maybe, um, like really well-meaning but sort of awkward and is always trying to set Nick up on dates with people. And so Nick finally says, you know, what? I've got a girlfriend. Just to sort of, you know, in a moment of frustration or something. And then, uh, and then in order to kind of save face and the, the actual Christmas faith, party is coming up. Right. And, and not lose faith with, with, with his boss and significant others to Christmas parties. Yes. And so, you know, it's like when uh, I have to tell my kids, one lie leads to another lie. Right. And so, uh, <laughs> so eventually he's created, uh, you know, he's created this whole, uh, scenario where he's got a girlfriend and then the Christmas party's coming up and now he's up for partner and, and, and he feels so embarrassed about this thing, but he's sold, he's told so many small lies about this girl that th- there's no way for him to get out of it. So he goes and makes a mistletoe promise. And then at the end for him to come clean, all he has to do is say, you know what? I am really sorry. Uh, but I've been lying to you for uh, quite a while now. And <laughs> and she's not really my girlfriend and I and I know that in a law firm of all places in a law firm um you know we should have faith with each other and and I broke that and I'm sorry and so I understand that that I I probably should not be made partner because of this and uh but the reason why I did it was you know whatever and then he walks out and that would be to be far more satisfying to me and an ending than what we get here yeah, uh, I just realized one other thing that kind of stuck out to me and maybe correct me. Maybe I, I missed a scene somehow, uh, but he, like he wants to look into the contract and that never gets resolved. She tells him information about one of his competitors, but nothing ever happens to that information, right? I don't think that they ever divulge it because they don't want to be jerks about it. I think. Yeah, but but I'm, but I'm saying like well, part of their thing is like, oh, we're both going to help each other, but we never actually see any payoff on how they're helping each other. Just being together. I mean, the 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 payoff oh, is no, no, that they I get agree to be that. together. But I, I just think within the narrative, it's an odd moment where like she finds out some dirt that's supposed to help him in his advancement, and then right. literally like it's never followed up on. Just like he wants to look at the contract, but that never gets followed up on. I, I think <laughs> so. You got like to have his license plate. You got Chekhov's. You got Chekhov's <laughs> license plate. You got Chekhov's contract, and you got Chekhov's uh, third marriage. Third marriage, and none of the guns go off. Yes, and I think that maybe that's um, the other thing that feels muddied at the end is there's a lack of resolution on a few plot lines that get introduced. I agree. And I think we all, uh, well, okay, he he was made partner, so I guess that resolves what her information was supposed to do. And Mm -hmm. we can assume 
somehow his lawyerliness is going to get her her business back. Right. But it's it, it's only implicit. And I, I think it would feel more complete as a story if it was explicit what happened there. Yeah. Make the make the what do we make the subtext text. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would I would almost cut out the whole third marriage scene entirely just because I think you you easily could do that. Yeah, it, it didn't add anything to the story or their intrigue and in trying to get their job advancements at all. And I think it, going back to our rewriting of the beginning of this and the boss, I th- I think the boss would be would work better as a character if he were just, uh, you know, maybe a socially awkward, nice guy instead of what we get here, which is, um, you know, like these strong swings from like good family man to super creepy <laughs> weirdo. Yeah. So, all right. Any final thoughts about this? No, I'm glad we watched it. Um, it's it's always nice to watch a Hallmark Christmas movie. Um, I can't say this is going in the <laughs> the yearly rotation. Hallmark uh, Hall of Fame, which I believe is a thing. It is <laughs> Hallmark Hall of Fame, definitely is a thing. Um, but no, it, it was fun. I liked it. And I just want to say, um, when we when people talk about Hallmark movies, often people who enjoy them they almost apologize for liking them. I Not would just my say, grandma. stop doing that. <laughs> but I, I mean, do, have you met some people who are kind of like, I know it's like they give all these excuses before they say they like watching them. You like what you like. And that's fine. Right. I, I just just you don't need to apologize for enjoying a form of entertainment, whatever it may be. So uh, I, I would just say, you know, if you like Hallmark movies, enjoy Hallmark movies. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. There are far worse vices that one could have. <laughs> Than enjoying Hallmark movies, though I mean Netflix caught a little flack for tweeting out that's that, that what was it three users had watched their their uh, Hallmark style story called A Christmas Prince uh, every day since it was released. Maybe experiment with some other forms as well as the one you enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't just watch the same thing you enjoy over and over and over again. Yeah, it's a variety is the spice of life, right? Yeah. All right. Well, thank you listeners for joining us. That's going to wrap up this episode for show notes and links to all of the other great dueling genre shows. You can go to duelinggenre.com and please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English who designed our logo and Scott Tofty who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you would probably like to go back and listen to our previous Christmas specials. We've got three of them. Uh, you can just uh, scroll through as you get to any of our episodes in December. Look for the ones labeled as Christmas special and we have some fun with the Hallmark formula in those episodes. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com We're also on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mack, Jay Dorowski and our producer Andrew is at DizMinute on Twitter. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast. We have really good conversations there with our listeners and we love all the feedback that we get. If you would like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or just show your appreciation with a small monetary donation by going to patreon.com slash protagonist. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. even right here i'm sorry i can't i I typed it and i still can't read my own writing um
<laughs> they go to New York for the big party. They have an awkward moment, but then he tells her 